It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on April 1st. I think it's probably illegal even to do a show on April 1st, but on April 1st, 2019, a Monday night after the LA Galaxy's 2-1 victory over the Portland Timbers on Sunday night on ESPN2. An interesting game, and quite honestly, the more that I watch that game, the more impressed I am with the LA Galaxy's victory, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we also have some uh, some injury updates. We have some rumors and a whole bunch of other stuff to get to. So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. Before we do any of it, let's welcome back to the show the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, buddy? All right. I'm coming to you, as you know, this week from an undeclosed location. I'm in a concrete bunker, the one last used by Dick Cheney after 9-11. Yes. And my, uh, my family, as you know, is in the Witness Protection Program. Uh, based largely on the the violent threats that were issued on Twitter to me last week. Yeah, uh, we're, we're after gonna, the newsletter, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I, first, I just wanted to talk about it and you know just say that uh, that I was uh, I actually tried to go play soccer this week. That was really my opening. I don't know how I don't know how fun that is now, but I went to play soccer with uh, the Angel City Brigade, LA Riot Squads. They had a pickup soccer game in Carson on Saturday night. Um, I had a great time. Uh, I am way too old for that. There are people there, one, who are probably my age and still being able to play, Kevin. Um, me, being 37, um, approaching 38, uh, in very good shape for sitting on a rowing machine all the time. Uh, not in so good a shape to be running around on turf. Uh, I have to say that the News Across the Galaxy guys uh, just you know, took me to task a couple times. Um, there were guys out there who were making me look really stupid. Uh, I, I still somehow got two assists and I scored on a penalty kick goal. Um, so really, I was only I was two assists better than Zlatan and only one penalty kick goal. So whenever you compare me to Zlatan, same age, Kevin, we were about the same there. Um, but I do have an official announcement um, from all that. And basically, the official announcement is after talking to my wife, who laughed hysterically at me limping up the stairs whenever I came back from uh, the, the pickup soccer on Saturday, I think I'm announcing my soccer retirement. I think that was it. I don't, I don't think there's any more. There was, there was a hamstring strain in there. I felt like Ramon Alessandrini a little bit. There's a whole bunch of stuff that sort of happened there. Um, I'm still sore. It's Monday. I played on Saturday. I limped through the game on Sunday. Uh, I, I limped through the day here on Monday. I imagine that I'll feel somewhat better tomorrow on Tuesday. But, uh, you know, it was it was actually I had a great time. It was a lot of fun and, and people were really nice. And it was fun to sort of talk to everybody and, and also uh, trash talk with a whole bunch of people, especially Chris Hibble from the L.A. Galaxy PR, the guy who would trash talk from the sidelines, but wouldn't actually lace up the boots and come out and play those kind of guys. Um, so I enjoyed that uh, and had a great time. So I just wanted to thank everybody for having me and not and for not killing me because I, well, I could have so died. So Latan plays with injuries. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I, it's the turf. You know, I think really if I'm going to play anymore, I think I have to limit myself to the natural surface only anymore because there's just, you know what? It was funny is that I, I went back and I did some rowing uh, on Sunday to try to stretch out and do all that stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm really sort of a low impact guy anymore. I, I don't think I can handle the high impact. And, and people were like, well, what was so high impact about playing soccer? I go, mostly just the running. 
it's the running that's the high impact thing. I think I think if it was anything else, I probably would have been okay. But running probably isn't my thing anymore. I think I should probably stay off of uh, of the running chart as much as possible. But anyway, it was uh, it was fun. I had a good time um, and, and did the whole thing. But yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to bury the lead there, but I at least wanted to you know start it out on a little bit of a positive note. We'll go into uh, your newsletter now and uh, and all of the hubbub, all of the uh, the the controversy surrounding it well, stuff like let, that. let me start start yeah. it this way by asking you you know the the major league soccer player of the week was announced this week yes uh and i was curious you have done very well in the voting who I, did you vote for this week uh i voted for the new guy from toronto um the new guy from toronto it's it's pozello pozuelo alejandro pozuelo i'm sure i'm saying it wrong uh he had two goals including one of the dirtiest little chips i've seen in a long time so i had him uh, put one in. He also had a penalty kick, uh, which was similar to Zlatan's in terms of the Paneka. Uh, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, too. Um, so I had him. And then my number two was uh, Christian Namath, uh, because Namath scored three goals against Montreal, and I rank Montreal as a better team than San Jose. And my number three was Carlos Vela from LAFC, who had three goals and an assist, but it was against really crappy San Jose, so I sort of discounted that. That was, no, that was my See, that's, that's kind of my point, because you voted Carlos. It, so Carlos Vela, in your mind, ranks third, and the other two players played for Sporting Kansas City, right? Yes. And Toronto. Yes. So you did not vote. You voted an LAFC player over a Galaxy player. Now, if I even thought about doing that, I would be branded... Uh, as an LAFC by Galaxy supporters, I'd be branded as an LAFC homer. I'd yes. be branded as someone who, um, uh, you know, favors LAFC and in some way has some sort of bias. And, and knowing about your vote, um, I went into our database at the LA Times and 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 did a little checking around just because I wanted to prove something that I thought was uh, I, I proved what I thought was true. Um, in, in the last two years, in in 2018, for example, right. in 2018. Uh, I have 471 byline stories in the LA Times, um, which is the most of anyone on the staff in any department. And, and I'm not bragging about that, but I'm, the point I want to make is coming up. 471 stories. Now, first of all, the idea that over 400 byline stories would be in, on soccer in any major newspaper, that's more than we had on the Dodgers or Angel, or uh, Lakers. The fact that any, any major newspaper would run 400 byline soccer stories is pretty incredible. The Post didn't do that. The New York Times didn't do that. But the, the, for fans, the bigger number is, uh, of those 471 byline stories, 158 were on the Galaxy and 120 were on LAFC. That was last year. Right. So more on the Galaxy than, than LAFC. In 2019, I have uh, 85 byline stories. That only, only Tanya, our, our Laker writer, has more. She has one more. Um, of those 85 stories, 45 mentioned the Galaxy. That's 52.9%. 27 mentioned LAFC. That's 31.7%. Now, when a story is turned into the paper, just because people talk about bias, when a story is turned into the paper, it's read by three different editors. I don't write the headlines. Uh, it's written by three different editors who write the headline based on the tone and the, and the facts in the story. Uh, the Galaxy headline words, in other words, I looked through the headlines, and some of the words used in the headlines were sensation, breakout, improved, dominates, winning, success. Those are all headlines uh, that, that went uh, across the top of Galaxy stories. Uh, based on what the editor thought the content of the story was. So right there, I mean, if someone could point out the, the LAFC bias or, uh, or the anti-Galaxy bias, I'd love to hear about it because, again, a database search over the last 15 months, 556 stories, 36% on the Galaxy with headlines like sensation, breakout, dominates, success. 
I don't see the bias. Well, I think to be fair, and we've pointed this out before, you get called an, an LA Galaxy homer by LAFC fans on a, on a fairly a fairly common basis too. I mean, that happens all the time. So if you would have voted, and they would you, seem to have a better argument based on those numbers, <laughs> which I, I I have to tell you, I I knew that I was writing more Galaxy stories simply, and I've talked to LAFC about this simply because the Galaxy is a more interesting team. Um, that you can argue which team is better. But the Galaxy, the LAFC's had the same coach and this, pretty much the same players and the same front office since they came in the league. The Galaxy has had a lot of changes, and they brought in Ibra during the, that those 15 months, and they had injuries, and they brought in Dennis DeClosa, and they fired uh, Pete Vianis, and they brought in a new coach, and Ziggy died, and there's been a lot of stuff going on. So I don't think it's it, I don't think anyone would be um, surprised to find out that I wrote more stories about the galaxy. But if, if you're going to claim that I'm biased to one side or the other, and I don't think that I am, by the way, but if you were going to make that argument, I think LAFC has a better argument when you look at the number of stories, just the number of stories alone. You're, you're, you're now going to get all that LAFC hate. They're going to quote your numbers back to you, like exactly. Probably, and that's all probably. Well, I can't win. Well, well, here's the argument that, that I'll put in front of you then, and, and to be critical of this, is that it's not so much, and I think that the, the, the heat from this comes from um, maybe not so much a view on the LA Galaxy or being biased towards LAFC as the team, but as as the supporters in terms of the supporters themselves, that you tend to uh, put the LAFC supporters on a pedestal that you don't put the LA Galaxy supporters on. Well, I, I would push back on that too. I think what LAFC is doing with the 3252 is unique. And I think anybody who is unbiased and takes a it just looks at the facts would have to say the standing wall there is something that does not exist at StubHub. You can, it, maybe the number of supporters is greater. I don't know, but they're diffuse. They're all over the stadium. Um, uh, well, the I mean, 3252 creates an ambience that you don't see anywhere else in MLS. You can talk about not just the Galaxy. We can talk about 23 other teams. Well, you can talk. What about Orlando? Orlando has a similar section behind it. Now, granted, Orlando's team has been a dumpster fire, but whenever they showed up, Orlando has a giant wall that sits back there before, and Orlando came before LAFC. I mean, ultimately, these all are copies of, you know what? Uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, that's what I was, and the yellow wall. Um, they're all copies of that. I mean, is it is it that unique? It's unique to the LA Galaxy LAFC rivalry, um, but is it? It's not even unique within the league, and I would say, you know, not unique within the world. Well, but we're in LA. I mean, there are soccer fans that are going to sample soccer in LA. Now, if you want to say, I went to a game in the Ukraine and I saw something different, and therefore this Ukrainian team is way better. Right. I'm not quite sure what the relationship is to soccer in Los Angeles. Um, the, the LAFC team and the 3252 are new and they're doing something unique. I, I will say, uh, on the other side though, um, I have reached out to, and you and I talked about this. I have reached out to, uh, both of the main LAFs or main galaxy supporter groups over the years. In fact, you and I got together on this podcast in large part because of a phone call I made to you in 2013. If you, I don't know if you remember this. I haven't forgotten it. I called you in 2013 when Geo signed. Right. And we did a front page story, front page of the paper, not front page of sports, front page of the paper about what Geo coming to L.A. means for L.A. LA sports and, and L.A. soccer and how it would uh, actually fire up uh, the fan base and how it would fire up marketing and, and things around the team because they had a Mexican national team star. And I reached out to both supporters groups and, and I got very terse responses from both saying, we do not speak to the media. Please do not bother us again. We don't want to have anything to do with the mainstream media. So I actually wound up quoting you 
in that story. And we talked to marketing people and other people and left the fans completely out of it. And in, I, I reached out to the fans again after the L.A. riots, which were El Tropico 2 last year at Bank of California Stadium when there was, uh, you know, the hubbub over the fights in, in the stands. And I talked I reached out to as many uh, ticket buyers as I could that attended that game. But when I reached out to both of the supporters groups, again, I got the pushback. We don't speak to the media. We can't trust the media. And fine, if you don't want to, I'm not one of those people that say you need to speak to. I don't even think players have to speak to us. I think it behooves them to do. I don't think they have to. To be contractually obligated to do it is is uh, really stupid. But um, the point is, I asked you guys for an opinion, and you didn't want to give it, but then you would turn around and criticize anything that we wrote. We can't write your perspective if you don't give it to us. We're not going to guess at it. So, um, you know, I have tried to talk to the supporters and the supporters don't want to talk to me. So, I, you know, I, I'm not crying about it. I, I really don't care one way or the other. I'll just write the story based on the information I have. But it, it just does seem rather strange to decline to share your opinion and then to complain when your opinion is not shared in the story. Do, do you do you get where the the angst comes from at all? Do you do you see do you whenever you read the, the article and, and you go through it's not an article, it's a newsletter. And, you know, by the way, I. I feel like it's lost on people sometimes, and maybe it matters and maybe it doesn't. Maybe this is too inside of baseball, Kevin, but like, there's a difference between whenever you write a column and whenever you write an article. And there's a difference between when you write a newsletter and when you write an article, right? And a news article is a news article that's based on basically the facts, and you're just trying to portray what happened, and that's what it is. A column can have opinion in it. Um, and that can that can allow the writer, um, even if they write news articles all the time, that can allow the writer to allow opinion into that particular story or to allow, um, you know, a writer to put their own spin and put their own sort of uh, opinion onto the words. Is, is that wrong? That's that's all correct stuff, right? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, to the newsletter in, in question, you know, I'll wait here all night until you find an error in it. There are no factual errors in it. There are no factual errors. Now, uh, whether I use the correct language that you would want me to use, that's my choice. But there are no errors. There are no factual errors in that story. Yeah, you and I had a conversation about this. And I told people on the Thursday night show that you and I had a conversation about it because I was never going to go on the Thursday night show and not talk to you about it first. And you and I know that we have a disagreement on how it reads. Um, and how it comes out and you, I, I respect this. It's not something that is, is going to get in the way of, of what we do and how we do things. It's just a, a simple disagreement. And we've, we've talked about it uh, for a long time. Um, and I don't think that there's, you know, I think you think it reads one way and I think it, I think it reads another way and that's, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I just want to sort of put in, and what I said and echoed, echoed this on the Thursday show is that I think the disappointment comes that if they read it the way that I did, which was that there was some comparison between LA Galaxy fans and LAFC fans, and, and I've told you this is not, not nothing new, but if they read it as a comparison and, and almost a value judgment that you're placing on you know LAFC and what they're doing and, and the LA Galaxy and what they're doing, is that you have guys who are, I, I think, I, I probably associate with this more than maybe I should, but I associate with the, these guys who, these guys and girls who have these passion projects, who put all their time and effort into this stuff, um, who come in here, you know, with these supporters groups, and they don't get paid, much like I don't get paid for, for any of this stuff, really. Um, and so you, you look at this, and they feel like they got slighted, and if they feel like they got kicked. Can you understand from their point of view how they could they could see that and take that, or do you just feel like they're not? It, it, it's just coming from, you know, a, a a sort of biased viewpoint from their side. Well, 
first of all, supporters in all sports, I find it interesting that you, you know, yesterday the Galaxy played and beat Portland. It yes. seemed to me that that's where the focus for Galaxy supporters and the Galaxy players should have been. Instead, um, you know, you say, hey, Zlatan scored two goals. And then you hear back, yeah, but you said Carlos Vela scored three and therefore Carlos Vela must be better. We weren't, you know, the Galaxy were not playing LAFC. They were playing San Jose. That was a different game. I, I just, I don't hear that a lot in other sports. I don't hear people saying, um, yeah, well, Mike Trout's better because he's an angel. It, Mike Trout plays for another team. If you're a Dodger fan, you cheer for the Dodgers and you don't really get hung up on the Angels. I, I see both the soccer teams, and maybe it's because LAFC is new, but that everything is filtered through the prism of whether we're better than the other team in town. And when the El Traficos are played, that's fine. But I think trying to make the comparison when those games aren't going on, it, it, it would be like saying, you know what? I like Bank of California Stadium a lot. I love Step Up Center a lot. Dignity Health Sports Park. I still can't say I that. I know it's six. Like it's six stadiums. month rule. Yeah. They're different stadiums. They have good things to them. They have bad things to them. You know, I don't like the parking at at uh, Bank of California. I like the parking at Dignity Health Sports Park. Um, uh, you know, the, there are things I like about each stadium. There are things I don't like about each stadium. But I don't compare them and say this team is better than that team because of that. They're different, and, and so. The idea of having to filter everything through whether we're LAFC or whether the Galaxy seems a little strange to me. But I'll go back to what you're talking about. And, and where you got got hung up from our conversation was the word meanwhile. Where yes. We're talking about the two fan groups. We're talking about LAFC made a, a decision. The team did, not the supporters. The, the, the team, I think, went to the supporters and brought them along. That's my understanding. And if I'm wrong, they can correct me. But my understanding is the idea of the 3252 was part of the construction of the stadium and that the, the and then fa the fans bought into it and took took to it. And that's why they have the standing uh, stand on the north north end. We know that this is it doesn't I mean, it, this does not seem to be in question. The Galaxy have been trying to get the supporters and in, in, in their stadium to unite in the North Stand for about 10 years. And if you go on Reddit right now, there's over three dozen comments on a story about that very subject. And some of the fans seem to be very favorable to that idea. For whatever reason, the Galaxy supporters have decided not to do that. Or they haven't done it up to this point. That's fine. I understand the reasons why they wouldn't want to do it. And I agree with a lot of them. But the fact is... If you go to Bank of California, there are 3,000 supporters in the North End standing and cheering it the whole time. And you go to the Dignity Health Sports Park, and there are different uh, supporters groups around the stadium that are not in the same area. That That is a fact. And so when I write in the newsletter, but the only thing fans were united by, and talking about the Galaxy supporters, was their resistance to the idea of uniting in the North Stand. The strength of the LA, LAFC supporters union, meanwhile, continues to grow. Now, you took that, and I think some supporters, supporters took that as I was comparing the two. I was saying there's a resistance to the idea by the Galaxy supporters, but LAFC supporters, meanwhile, they continue to grow. That is not a comparison. Meanwhile, Joshua, I know you went to Arizona State, but still, meanwhile is one of the older words in the English language. It dates to the 1300s, and meanwhile means at the same time as. It doesn't, there is no effort to make a comparison. It says, if you read it that way, that LA Galaxy supporters are resistant to the idea of uniting in the North Stand. Fact. LA, the strength of the LA supporters union, fact, continues to grow. Meanwhile means those two things are happening simultaneously. There's not a value judgment placed on either one. It's not to say the LA supporters, LAFC supporters union, um, in, in contrast to the Galaxy, that's not what I said. I said meanwhile. It's at the same time. And again, if you watch any of the 
World War II uh, um, 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 uh, documentaries on the Hitler Channel every night. They, they, the British narrator uses that term all the time. You know, uh, if I were to say to you that Donald Trump is entering his 27th month in office, meanwhile, nearly two dozen Democrats vie for the chance to succeed him. I have what? What's my value judgment on President Trump? What do I think of President Trump? I didn't say. What do I think of the Democratic? Uh, contenders. Did I pick a, a, a favorite? No, I did not. I said at the same time. Meanwhile, these two things are happening. That's what I wrote. Now, if you want to bring your own bias to that story and say that it was an attack on Galaxy supporters, that is not borne out by the words that were used or by my intention or by uh, the way that the, uh, anybody else would read this. So I think some of the readers are bringing their own bias to it. Well, and I think I, don't don't readers always bring their own bias to it? I mean, isn't that one of the things that we... And granted, I, 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 you and I were just talking about me saying granted and granite, and I just said it again. Okay, granted that the galaxy side of things and, and knowing the audience that, that sort of comes to this, this audience for this newsletter is everybody who wants to hear about soccer, right? So there isn't a specific, this wasn't a you writing about a galaxy game. Um, and wait, who do you always tell me that your audience is whenever you're writing for, for the Galaxy, basically? Well, basically, the audience are Laker fans and Dodger fans and Clipper fans because this is in a general market newspaper. And my idea is if they want hardcore soccer stuff, hopefully they're reading Jeff Carl and ESPN uh, FC or they're reading, uh, you know, the Athletic Paul Tenorio or, or they're reading uh, Ivis and, you know, Soccer by Ivis and, and on Gold.com. That's where the people are getting deep in the woods and, and talking about formations and all that. My readers are people who they come across the Galaxy story like today on page three. They're reading the Dodger story and then they're jumping inside to read the rest of the Dodger story. And they maybe come across a picture of Zalatan and want to find out what that's about. Now, if I start talking about touch lines and and four four twos and and lone strikers and playing the number 10, I, I've lost those people. My idea is to bring the general market Laker Dodger angel readers into a soccer story and explain to them why we love this sport so much and what's so good about it and the personalities that are there and the excitement. I was a baseball guy for a long time and I got tired of four hour games and I really fell in love with soccer for a lot of different reasons. And I'm trying to, to, to get people to love it too, but I'm not going to get them to love it if I use language that is over their heads. So I try not to get too much into the, into the, um, uh, soccer specific terms because I don't want Laker writers looking at that and saying, I can't figure this out. It's not worth my energy to try to read this because I don't understand it. So I try to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. And, and you, you are a fan of one team. Let's, let's, let's be very, very clear about this. You are a fan of one team out of all the teams in the world. You are a fan of one team. Manchester City. And, and, but yes. you would never know that from what I write about them, by the way. <laughs> you would never know that. It, you know, I find it, and I've written about Manchester City. They were here last year, you know, for the ICC. I've written about Man City a lot. But, uh, you know, I, I dare you to find something that I wrote that was unfactual, that was a fanboy comment. Right. It's just, it doesn't exist because you have to you have to take that hat off when you write. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have political affiliations, too, and sometimes I write about politics. And there are certain parties that I vote for and certain parties I vote against. But again, if, you know, I challenge you to find that in my writing. Now, you may hear, hear me say something on this pod, but in my writing, I challenge you to find something that is unfactual and it brings a political bias to it. It's the same in, in sports writing. Well, I, I see. Listen, I mean, you like I said, you and I had a long discussion. I, I said and I told you this specifically and I said it on the show. I thought that the the comment that was in here and you disagree with me. We we do not agree on this. And 
Yes, it has. We have not talked to each other as much as we normally do, Kevin, which makes me sad. But I said, you know, I thought that was like sort of a Dylan Hernandez move. I thought you were poking. Um, I still feel like there is something in this that leads me to believe that you poked in this particular case. All right. Well, I, I get point, I get point out the factual error and and I will and and I will apologize for well, it. But well, it's, it's it, not a factual error. No. And, and but it's this it's it, it is the meanwhile. All right. It is. And but the only thing fans were united by was the resistance to the idea. The strength of the LAFC supporters union, union meanwhile, continues to grow. Is there there's a sense that that in this you're saying that the LAFC supporters are growing and that the L.A. Galaxy supporters aren't growing? How, Do, where does it say that it, you're you don't feel the implication in that at all? No, okay. what I'm saying is, again, if you, again, Joshua, I need to go back to your uh, Arizona State education. That the word meanwhile means at the same time as. So concurrently, the Galaxy supporters are resistant to the idea of uniting in the North End. Now, again, if that has changed and they're all in the North End next week, I will apologize. But as of right now, as of last night's game, they were not all together in the North End. So they seem to be resistant to the idea, at least today, of uniting in the North End. Meanwhile, at the same time, concurrently, while we were speaking, as this was happening, LAFC's uh, supporters continued to grow. Those are two different things. We could say um, Carlos Vela scored uh, three goals. Meanwhile, Zlatan scored two. Now, am I making a value judgment on which player is better? No, I'm just saying one scored three goals and one scored two goals. Now, if you read into that, that three is better than two— as you said, you can make the argument one was playing against San Jose, another was playing against the, the reigning Western Conference champions. Um, there's a lot of subtext to that. That's not included in that sentence. The sentence is two statements of fact, as is the one in the newsletter. Yeah. The LAF, the LA Galaxy fans are currently, our supporter group leaders, are current, re, currently resistant to the idea. That's what they told a lot down in their meeting. LAFC supporters are growing. They are the, the the supporters group is growing. They've added some more seats in the thirty two fifty two. Wait, doesn't to handle the the, the overflow? Doesn't they that, are growing? Doesn't that mean it's not the not the number anymore though? Well, that's not that's yeah. a, that's oh, a different well, question. You want to talk about that? Thirty two fifty two has never been the number of seats in that. In, I, in I that don't even want to know. Band. I don't even want to know. It's not that important. It was just one of those things. Here, I'm gonna I want to close this out. I want to get to other stuff. I want to talk about the galaxy's win. I know we had to talk about this because, um, well, there's multiple because reasons. Because I'm in a bunker. Yeah, because you're in a bunker. Let me let me let me close this out by saying this stuff, and I think you're gonna agree with me on this stuff. Um, I don't like the threats. Uh, the threats are never okay. I'm not gonna tolerate them. Kevin's not gonna tolerate them. Um, so if you want to, you know, tweet that stuff out and, you know, get real brave with that stuff, you can just knock it off. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, we'll block you here on the podcast. I have no problems with that. Um, and if you don't like what Kevin and I do, which is try to be as honest and upfront about the LA galaxy and by the way, their relationship to Los Angeles here in LA all the time. Uh, if you don't like how we cover it and the massive amount of manpower and hours that we put into doing this podcast on a regular basis, yeah, for free. Um, then you don't have to listen. I, that's not me telling you not to listen, and that's not Kevin telling you not to listen. What we're saying is that if you don't think we're doing a good job and we haven't earned your listenership on our Monday nights, then you're you're free to not listen, and that's fine. Um, I'll also say this. Um, I can be critical of Kevin. Uh, I can say that I don't agree with him on things, um, and he and I are still really good friends, and I can still understand that Kevin Baxter is the absolute hardest-working probably journalist, sports journalist in Southern California, certainly for the LA Times, and a guy who loves soccer and wants to cover it. And the fact is that without Kevin 
on this podcast on Monday nights, we'd still be stuck with some, you know, PR lackey on here, just, you know, not wanting to talk about different things about the galaxy because it might upset the front office. Okay, so that's where this podcast has gone in a very short amount of time. And that is all because Kevin Baxter said, hey, I would love to come on the podcast. Let's do this. And not only let's do this, let me take a microphone to Russia. Let me do all that stuff. I, I'm, we're never going to get it 100% right on here. I'm going to be wrong. All right, I'm wrong all the time. Kevin's going to be wrong all the time. But we're trying to be right. Right. If you and, and Kevin has told me this specifically, if you know, if you want to respectfully disagree with Kevin, there's many ways you can get it, get a hold of him. All right. If you want to respectfully disagree with me, there are many places that you can get a hold of us. We are we are two of the most accessible people you're ever going to find covering a sports team. All right. But we're just not going to handle any of that BS threat stuff that comes through on uh, online. So that's not going to happen. All right. So without Kevin, this podcast on Monday nights would be dead um, because it just it just doesn't continue, especially not in the arc. And quite honestly, my journalistic integrity where I'm able to break news for L the L.A. Galaxy, where I'm able to dig in and find and, and evaluate sources would be nowhere without Kevin as well, because he's the guy who's taught me all that stuff. I went to Arizona State, as he's clearly pointed out. I didn't go there on a journalism scholarship. Or an English. Or an English. English. Yeah, no, no, that wasn't part Apparently. of it either. Yeah, it was science. I can do some physics stuff that would blow your mind. But other than that, all right? So having said all of that, which I think Kevin all agrees with, I also think that Corner of the Galaxy can do a better job including more voices of supporters, fans, casuals, everybody, and especially the supporters. And I'm going to work to reach out more to supporters so that way they can get their views on our podcast as well. All well, right? I think the supporters should come on the podcast, and I think it should be a probably a week or a day that I'm not there. You have two other podcasts during the week. The three in the booth gets a little crowded, but I definitely think that they should be part of the conversation as long as it's respectful. And the other thing about this podcast, and I think it just buttresses what you just said, it's not going to be a fanboy um, podcast. Not, um, not on know, I'm not going to be part of it if it's fanboy broadcast. We're going to be honest. We're going to criticize as we did during the the Kurdanafo regime, as we did during the end of the Ziggy Schmidt time, we're going to criticize and we're going to praise as we did last week or two weeks ago after the Minnesota United game. Yep. When it when it deserves to be praised, it's going to be praised. When it deserves to be uh, criticized, it's going to be criticized. And those of you who talk about loyalty, I know I I saw you booing Kurdanafo and calling for Ziggy to be fired. So the loyalty thing is a loyalty as long as they're winning, and we're going to assess whether they're going in the right direction or not. And the other thing is, is I got a job to do. I'm going to do this Galaxy podcast tonight, and I'm going to talk all about the Galaxy. Then I'm going to go to bed and wake up tomorrow and go to LAFC training. And I'm going to talk to Bob Bradley, and that's my job. Yep, that's that is your job, and you cover both of those teams. That is your job. You also cover the U.S. Men's National Team. You also cover the and Mexican the National team. team and Mexican National Team. So and Ma Manchester City and Ma Manchester City occasionally. Never a good idea for you. It's not good for your blood pressure. Um, so anyway, that's it. That's what we wanted to say on it. You know, again, if you want to reach out to us, you know how to find us here at Corner of the Galaxy. Um, if you want to hit us up on the hotline, you can do that. As long as you don't swear, as long as you're respectful, I'm glad to hear your viewpoint. 949-385-2641. We've always been fairly open on here, and I took your calls on Thursday um, and was more than happy to answer any questions. We'll continue to do that and reach out. Um, and that's how it's going to go. And by the way, just a heads up, this Thursday night show, it's not going to be Thursday night. It's going to be Wednesday night because there's a game on Friday night. So we're trying to mush, push everything up. So you're going to get a double dose of, uh, of Corner of the Galaxy podcast here coming pretty quickly. All right. We're moving on now to something that's much happier and something that, by the way, I have now come to the conclusion and determined that the LA Galaxy had 
a ridiculously good game against the Portland Timbers, and people out there just scratched their head and said, okay, it was okay. I mean, they survived it, but it wasn't anything that was great. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you go back and watch that game for exactly what it was, Kevin, a 2-1 to victory, both goals coming from Zlatan Ibrahimovic, both shots on goal. The only two shots on goal the Galaxy got at all were both on penalty kicks. That was it. Those were the only two shots they got on goal. And I'm going to tell you, the LA Galaxy played one outstanding game because of what Portland came in and tried to do against the LA Galaxy on uh, a Sunday night. Is that is, Have I blown your mind already, Kevin? Well, yes and no. What I, what I took away from that is as long as Zlatan is playing and healthy, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter how the other 10 guys play. Um, it's certainly helpful if your goalkeeper is good and David Bingham was okay. Um, Zlatan can control a game like nobody, frankly, I've ever seen in any sport. Um, it, you think back to that game with Orlando City last year. Remember, every time Orlando City scored, Zlatan answered. The LAFC game, the first one, that was incredible. What he did last night, you know, he's played two games and he has three goals, both of them game-winning goals. Um, nine of his 25 goals in MLS have been game winners. Uh, that The statistics, you can break these numbers down all you want. They're, they're just incredible. And that's why I said last year if the Galaxy made the playoffs, I thought they would be a favorite to get to MLS Cup. And I'm going to say the same thing right now. Uh, I know it's only four games in the season. Zalatan's only played a couple of them. But if they get into the playoffs, and I know Zalatan keeps talking about he doesn't want to get into the playoffs. He wants to win the conference, and, and that's great. But even if they get in as the number seven team with Zalatan, he can just take over a game at any time. And I was talking to Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, after the game last night. I was walking to our to our cars, and I said – you know where they miss Ola Kamara is the fact that there really isn't another scoring threat. I mean, yes, Alessandrini can score. Sebastian can score. I don't know that they're threats, even in Tuna. I don't know that he's a threat. And by that, I mean other teams are going to start putting five and six and eight and 12 guys on Zlatan because he is the only danger. And when you had Kamara, you couldn't do that. He scored 14 goals last season. And I think that's where we're going to talk about you know, rumors and who the guys are going to pick up later. I think they really need another forward. They need to have somebody to take some of the heat off Zlatan because we saw he got butchered last night, and that's why he wound up getting tackled in the penalty box twice and getting two penalty kicks out of it. But teams are going to find ways to defend him, and they're going to say, Sebastian Legette and Ramon Alessandrini, you guys beat us because we're not going to let this guy do it. That's the one change the Galaxy are going to need to make at some point. They're going to have to have somebody take the pressure off Zlatan because the Galaxy are too one-dimensional. Great, Granted, with probably the most dominant player in the league, but still, at some point, someone's going to figure out how to defend him, and the Galaxy are going to have to have other options. Yeah, I, I think there's some of that. I'll, I'll say this as well, that whenever you look at what Portland put together, a five-man back line, all right? This is a Portland team, Kevin, that came in, and, and we know Portland's playing its first 12 games on the road. We know that Portland was winless coming in. We knew that Portland had given up 10 goals in three games. We knew they were bleeding goals, and that you know Diego Valeri and Chara and Blanco and Guzman were not doing enough or weren't being effective enough um, you know, in their attack to be able to counter all those goals. So you know, you had uh, Savaresa come in and, and, and put in a five-man backline. I don't remember when the last time anybody had a five-man backline in Major League Soccer. I don't, I, granted, I don't, granted, I don't watch a whole bunch of, I, I don't watch a bunch of whole full games, so I look watch a lot of highlights, but I've been watching. 
there were five guys back there. That means there were three guys who were basically three to four guys who were always surrounding Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And that dude was still able to find enough space to get fouled in the penalty box both time. And for all the Portland fans who are out there whining and complaining about those penalty kick calls, you got to be kidding me. None of them were even close. They were easily penalty kicks. And looking at any of the reviews or anything was, was more a waste of time than anything. It was just a confirmation of how it came through. So whenever I look at this and I see what the LA Galaxy were going to do, and I'm going to tell you guys who had good games, Kevin, and you're going to sit there and go, well, did they really have a good game? And the answer is yes, they really had a good game because there were eight players, basically, in the center of the field for most of the night, and the LA Galaxy midfield of Jonathan Dos Santos, of Sebastian Legette, and Joe Corona absolutely dominated that section of the field, and the Galaxy were probably outnumbered there for a large portion of the night. Well, a couple of things. You break down the numbers. You're right. I mean, I think we're both right on Zalatan, yes. even though we're coming at it from different ways. I think that he is going to get more and more pressure, and the Galaxy are going to have to have uh, someone to take some of that off of him. And then you said rightly that he drew all those that pressure to him and still succeeded. Both of those things are true. But at some point, someone's going to figure out how to pressure him and contain him without fouling him. Zlatan had six shots, uh, total shots, uh, only two on target, the two penalty kicks, but he had six shots. That's more than the rest of the Galaxy team combined. Of the players who were starters, he only had 40 touches. Only Antuna had fewer. So again, dominating the shots, not dominating the ball, 40 touches. He had fewer total passes than any one except, again, Antuna of any starter. So fewer passes, fewer touches, more shots. That sort of tells you the offense is definitely going to go, or is definitely going through him. And I think that the Galaxy need to come up with some more options. The other thing that was distinct yesterday, and you and I talked about this during the game, is when they played the Minnesota United game, which I think is one of the better games, if not the best game they played in, since Bruce left the last two years. That that constant pressing really set up a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, the possession, uh, everybody was flying to the ball. They weren't playing defense. The defense was if you lose the ball, you win it back, the Barcelona style. Uh, that was a really pretty game to watch. And watching Antuna just sprint all over the field was was really uh, amazing. I really enjoyed that game. The Galaxy didn't play that game yesterday because Zlatan can't play that way. And I know you have some ideas of how they can still press with Zlatan on the field. But the fact was they didn't play that high-pressing up-tempo, possession-oriented game um, with Zlatan on the field. And Portland found some space. Behind the midfield in front of the back line, there was some space. And Portland got some space to, uh, to, to maneuver. And you look at their one goal, there was some really pretty passing there. There was a really nice sequence that found a lot of space in the middle of that defense. And, uh, you know, again, other better teams in Portland are going to be able to exploit that, I think. Well, here's the thing, though. Portland wasn't set up to score the goal the way that they scored the goal. Right. I, I think we can agree on that. Portland was set up in this particular block with the five man back line really to be a counterattacking team. Right. Because they were going to sit back and they were going to absorb that pressure. Uh, the goal that they scored was not sitting back and absorbing pressure. The goal they scored was continued possession and move the galaxy around enough to find where they finally opened up space. I'll concede that. Um, but Portland was set up for a counterattack. And none of those counterattacks went anywhere. Portland got what? Four shots on goal total. All four of those shots came in the first half. Uh, they got zero shots on goal in the second half, despite the fact that they were, might have been more dangerous in the second half. Uh, Guillermo Barroscoloto talked about how you looked at the Galaxy coming, uh, or you looked at Portland and where their shots came from, and there were some shots from outside the box, and they really limited most of those chances outside of the goal. The goal was, by the way, borderline offside. Um, we put in, as a, as a Los Angeles-based pool reporter, myself and Scott French actually put in 
a request to get an answer on that goal from the officials after the game. And I do have their official response here, and I tweeted it out. But basically, uh, we asked on Portland's goal in the 44th minute, what did the VAR discussion focus upon and what determined that Guzman was onside on the pass into the box from Valeri? Uh, this is Ted Ungle's crew who rightfully wrote back to us and said the VAR focused on whether there was an offside infraction or not. So that tells us, Kevin, that they did indeed look at it because I saw a lot of people complaining that they never even looked at the, uh, at the replay. And the bottom line is, yes, they did look at it. It was checked. All right. And then their response was Guzman was not nearer the goal line than the second to last defender at the moment the attacker played the ball, which is a basic definition of offside, by the way. But nonetheless, you know, they checked it. Here's I'll be honest. I disagree with how they answered the question, Kevin, only because I think it's not clear and obvious that he was offside. And if he was offside, it's really, really tight. And you probably can't tell. And I'm okay with all those things. So now let's wipe that goal clean. Where else did Portland really have some chances? They had some chances on the counterattack, but the Galaxy defense, including the midfield, was able to snuff all that out, especially in the second half. Zero shots on goal in the second half. That is a ridiculous accomplishment for that team, despite the fact that uh, Shelvick had to run all the way back and save the game for the LA Galaxy in the in the yeah, dying minutes. That was, that was interesting. The whole thing almost blew up in the last seconds of the game. Well, and, and that's really what, what it comes into here is that when you see what Portland was trying to do and you saw where the Galaxy, they were trying to take the middle of the field away from the Galaxy, which I would argue they did a fairly good job of. The attacks from the LA Galaxy came down the side, right? You had Shelvick running on the outside. Uh, you had Felcher running on the outside. And Guillermo talked after the game about how they, how he likes having those guys attack, how he likes getting fullbacks in, and that part of his system is to have those guys in here, and he says that both Felcher and Shelvick are technical enough to be able to do that stuff. All right, here's the crazy thing. In the first half, they were overlapping to the outside of Antuna and the outside of Alessandrini. In the second half, they were overlapping on the inside. So it was almost like Guillermo was trying to pull more guys inside to crowd that space. That way there was enough room to cross the ball to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which reinforces your argument, Kevin, that the, get, that the offense on the night was always going to run through Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And if you're really going to if, if you're going to parse it and break it down here, I have to sit here and say that Guillermo got it 100 percent right is that you said that teams are going to figure out a way to mark Zlatan Ibrahimovic out of a game. And I say BS when in any of his previous places he's played or any of the times we've ever seen, has any team ever been able to completely mark Zlatan Ibrahimovic out of a game? It doesn't happen. He's too physically dominating. He's he's this outlier of a dude. You saw the goal he almost scored, what, in the seventh minute or something like that? That backheel stuff? He had a guy draped all over him, completely covered, and Zlatan does like a backheel karate kick reminiscent of his 500th goal um, and was, you know, uh, quite honestly, it'll be remembered because it didn't go in because it was one of the most beautiful things that you can ever It was just, it's a ridiculous shot. It's a ridiculous try, and it goes off the cross, uh, it goes off the post. I mean, well, I, I I drink the Zlatan Kool Aid. I'm I'm with you on that, but it, it you you want to you know, again? We we looked at the numbers. All the offense goes right through him, and it's working. And it, you know, don't change it. But I do think there needs to be another option up front. I mean, you know, Clayton Kershaw can't pitch every game. Um, at some point, you know, Zlatan, it, the miracles are going to run short. He's going to have a bad game. He's not going to play a game on turf. He might get hurt again. Um, you know, there, there will be a team with big defenders that are going to be able to uh, contain him a little bit better. Um, I, I just my, my point is that when you, we start talking later about the rumors, I do think there needs to be 
another forward in the mix. I do think that that Ola leaving leaves a bigger hole than we know about right now. But you know who benefits from this whole thing, what you're talking about, the way teams are approaching the Galaxy and laying back and waiting on the counterattack, the way the Galaxy are dominating possession. Um, the guy who really benefits from this is David Bingham. I was just looking at the stats. Remember last year, he had the worst year of his career. He gave up 64 goals. Um, this year, 10, 10 players in, in uh, MLS, 10 goalkeepers in MLS have faced more shots than David Bingham. He's made 11 saves in four games. Um, the fact is David Bingham can be a good goaltender when he's not making saves every time down the, down the pitch. Yeah. When he, uh, he, he will make the key saves that you need to make, but he, you can't, you can't uh, you expect him to face 10 and 12 shots a game and make all those saves. The fact that he is now that the galaxy have limited the times that he has to be called on to make tough saves. It's just, I mean, it's obvious it's going to make him a better goalkeeper. And we've seen that when he was playing for good San Jose teams um, last year, he didn't get any help from his defense and it, and it was a bad year. He faced, you know, he made 121 saves this year. He has 11 through four games. So the, the defense is making it a lot easier for him to be a good goalkeeper. The goalkeeper that frankly, they knew he was going to be when they got him. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I'll never say that David Bingham is, is the best goalkeeper. And I didn't say that last year, whenever I was still defending him for not getting pelted every single game, as you, as you've already pointed out. So but I, he's a good enough goalkeeper to be on a winning team. Absolutely. No, he's not, he's not, a, a you know, he's not a, I was, I was going to say you gotta compare him to. he's not he, he's not the greatest goalkeeper in the world he, he's um, not Jaime Pinedo right because everybody always wants to compare him to Jaime Pinedo he's not Jaime Pinedo but there are very few goalkeepers who have ever played for the LA Galaxy that were maybe Donovan Ricketts was one of the best goalkeepers that ever played for the LA Galaxy in his prime the first time around uh, Donovan Ricketts did things that were amazing you know Jaime Pinedo gets um, sort of put up on a pedestal for a, a, a great save that he made against Vancouver and he should because it was a ridiculous save but at the same time you know, I remember that goals did go past Jaime Pinedo, too. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he didn't keep them all out of the back of the net. So, you know, it, it's fine. I think David Bingham's more than serviceable. I think the LA Galaxy defense um, is more than serviceable right now. I thought Rolf Felcher had a good game. I thought Shelvick had a good game. Uh, I thought Polenta had a good game. Of course, the best defender for me, again, on the entire night, Daniel Starez, again, for the fourth game, probably in a row. Uh, Who was the defender of the year last year? Defender of the year last year was Ashley Cole against my vote, and I think against your vote, we both voted for Dave Romney. Who has not played a minute this season. Yes, correct. 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 Absolutely correct. Yes. So here's a guy that, in our opinion, was Defender of the Year, and, it, you know, it, Ashley Cole would run it, but you still make an argument for Dave Romney. Hasn't played a minute this season, and the defense is really good. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think you're right. I think the word serviceable, I think David Bingham is probably a little bit better than serviceable. Somebody once told me that when you're looking at a goalkeeper, what you need them to do is make the routine saves and then make perhaps one great save a night. And then David Bingham has been doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And that's I, all you need to win. You know, if you got a lot of time at the other end. You're going to score goals. If, if you, you know, if your goalkeeper can limit the other team to one, maybe two goals a night, you got a pretty good shot. Yeah, and Bingham, what, had three saves on the night? I mean, that's that's enough, right? That's, that's all you really need from him. Yeah, three saves. Um, face four shots. And the goal was nothing he could have done about. I, I've watched that over and over again. You know, it was really, uh, there was some space opened in the middle. It was Diego Valeri's only time that he really got into any place uh, dangerous. Um, again, a, a guy like Diego Valeri, Kevin, a guy who, you know, is usually considered around league MVP, um, was com almost completely MIA last night. Uh, you know, you can say that Portland is a bad team. I'll tell you this. 
all the Galaxy players last night, Kevin, whenever we were talking to them after the game, were all saying, listen, Portland's a good team. Just because they haven't been playing well, they still have a good team. They still have a, a, a good idea. They're just, they're not in a good state of mind right now. And I think the Galaxy took advantage of it, as they should. Um, the, those were two teams that we told you matched up really well last year, and we expected to have a good game this year. I was talking to a, a, a national broadcaster before this game just to sort of get uh, get an update on the Galaxy and, and sort of gives out some of my thoughts that I had on stuff. And we Go were, ahead, you can mention his name. I, I don't, ahead, name Taylor Twelman. Everybody, they, the only person everybody hates more than you, Kevin, sometimes is Taylor Twelman. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those. But I was talking to Taylor, and I was he was like, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game. And I said, yeah, I think this is going to be a really good game too. And it didn't look like a really good game and I think that'll turn some people off and certainly it'll turn I've seen it already Galaxy fans somebody even wrote in and said that didn't feel like a win and I went back and I said wait a minute I go go back and watch some of the stuff that happened in this game go figure out you know the chess pieces that were moved in this you have to give Guillermo Barrescolotto five stars for this one Kevin this is not a a one-star performance by him he put together a lineup that was able to do what it needed to do granted some of that is just saying hey Zlatan do you feel good and he's like yeah I feel great and you put him in the game I get that but even Roman Alessandrini who I thought was rusty who I thought killed some of the momentum in this game I'm still okay with what he was trying to do the only problem is that for both Antuna and Alessandrini and I think the reason they weren't successful on this night is their favorite thing to do Kevin is to cut inside right and so what did Giovanni Savarese do is he put a whole bunch of people on the inside. So cutting inside wasn't the way to go on this night. It was usually staying outside. And you saw that even with the uh, the ridiculous, um, you know, sort of uh, attempt that Zlatan had earlier. And then the first penalty kick that he draws is balls coming from the outside. And that's where it was being launched from, from Shelvick, from Felcher, from Antuna staying on the line, from Alessandrini staying on the line. I love the movements that Sebastian Legette was showing in terms of moving inside, moving outside, trying to find the space there. And quite honestly, the LA Galaxy have one of the best midfielders in Major League Soccer right now with Joe Corona, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Sebastian Legette. And it is formidable for those three. You have the double pivot with Corona and Dos Santos. And whenever you say double pivot, double pivot, everybody always freaks out because that usually means it's something bad. It's not in this case. This 4-3-3, which is really sort of how I'm leaning towards Guillermo, you know, placing this. You can call it a 4-2-3-1 if you're that's fine, I don't care. But really in these 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1s and how it's approached, is Sebastian Legette is able to pivot inside, outside. Corona's able to pivot forward and backwards and inside and outside. There is so much movement inside that midfield that they're able to really snuff out anything that Portland... I mean, the turnovers in midfield were drastic. It wasn't the same as Minnesota, Kevin, where the turnovers were happening further up the field, but in that center circle, Jonathan Dos Santos was there almost the entire night. In the center circle, Joe Corona was there almost the whole night. At the top of the center circle, pressing towards, being spring-loaded to go forward, was Sebastian Legette. And if I have any criticism of how the Galaxy played on Sunday night is that they were sprung forward a little bit too much for my liking. You thought that they were going to get caught out. Um, I'll say this, they didn't get caught out. Not once did they really get caught out, and not once did they not be, were they not able to get, come back and recover from that. Does a better team take advantage of some of those? Maybe. But on the night, the Galaxy did exactly what they needed to do. That one goal outside is, is the outlier of the entire night, where Portland built up possession, held possession, and then was able to pass and dribble around the Galaxy and move them and shift them around until finally got, they got the overload. And Polenta, if he decides not to chase Guzman... Guzman's offside by like a half yard, um, but he does chase him. Um, so, you know, it was a good combination play. That's how that's how that worked, and that's how it went. Um, for me, I just think to, to discredit this particular 
uh, result would be to not understand everything that Portland was trying to do. And in my mind, Portland was really trying to get out of there with a draw, and the Galaxy did a good job of breaking down, you know, eight men in the center of the field. Well, okay, first of all, a lot, lot to chew on there. First of all, I'm going to call it a 4-2-3-1 because that's actually what it is. And and as we've talked about, I'm very fact-based. So uh, there, there, I'm going to call it a 4-2-3-1. Another thing, they won the game. I mean, there's nothing to discredit. They won, That was the object. When they started the game, they said, Guillermo, what do you want to do? And he said, I want to win the game. And they did. So fine. You know, it was it the most artistic win? Was it as beautiful as the Minnesota United win? No. But you know what? It's three points. And if you're going to be a contender, you have to win some games ugly. You're going to win some beautiful games. You're going to win some ugly. And you're going to lose some that you should have won. This was one, if you didn't like the way the Galaxy played, this was a game they won ugly, but they won. You know, the other thing is, is when you look at it, taking a little bit wider league uh, approach, I don't know if you've noticed this, but MLS always talks about its parody. Um, this weekend on Saturday, um, <laughs> the did you see this from Paul Carr? He tweeted out that the uh, winning teams had a combined goal differential on Saturday alone, a combined goal differential of plus 22. That was the largest margin for a single day in MLS history. Um, you look at the two teams that were in the MLS Cup final last year, Atlanta United yep. and Portland. They have combined for one – For uh, it, it, what is it? Let's see. Portland has one point. Atlanta United has two. They've combined for three points. There you go. Uh, this far into the season, four games into the season. The, the point I'm trying to make there is whether or not that's parity, I don't know. It's very hard to stay on top, though. And, again, if you're looking at the idea of playoffs – you know, it's wide open. You can't say, oh, well, they've got to go through Portland. They've got to go through, uh, you know, Dallas. They've got to go through some of these other typically strong teams. It's pretty wide open this year. And again, a wild card team like the Galaxy, you kind of don't know what you're going to get. You, you know, they, they they can play that Antuna type game, the pressing game. They can play the Zlatan game. They can get miraculous goals from Zlatan that are, de- you know, defy description. Um, it, 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 I just look at the Galaxy as kind of a wild card team, and this seems to be setting up to be a good year from unpredictable teams. Uh, one more thing, my my last shot at sort of convincing everybody this win was uh, was maybe not as visually stimulating as Minnesota, but very similar to Minnesota, as, at least as the stats point out. I'm going to go to the passing, Kevin, just for a second. Uh, 503 total passes in the game versus Portland for the LA Galaxy, 87% completion rate. Uh, 577 total passes against Minnesota, 87% completion rate. Uh, the... The overall completion rate of the teams that they played, uh, 76% for the Portland Timbers, 75% for Minnesota. Again, very, very similar. The only place where I really think this goes all haywire is in the final third where the LA Galaxy had a 76% passing rate um, and 136 passes and 81% passing rate against Minnesota and 204 passes. And again, that would make sense if you look at what Minnesota was trying to do versus what Portland was going to try to do. Um, The crossing was much more successful actually in the uh, in the Portland game than it was in the Minnesota game, which is just nuts. But you don't even want to know. It was forty three percent completion rate in the in crosses to thirty percent completion rate in crosses. Again, add somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic in there, Kevin, and all of a sudden your crosses find a lot more heads whenever the dude's you know twice as tall as everybody else who's back there. So well, as as a much more learned man than myself once said, there are three kinds of lies. There are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yes. And I'm going to say that uh, all those numbers look great, but it doesn't pass the eyeball test that, that, that game may have statistically uh, looked similar to on, on black and white and paper it might have looked statistically like the Minnesota game on the field it looked nothing like the Minnesota game but you know what it doesn't matter again 
three points. They got three points. Their object was to win the game. They won the game. No one has to apologize for that. Who was your man of the match in that particular one for the LA Galaxy? Who played Who played the best out of anybody? Well, I know a lot of people like uh, a lot of people that like Geo. Um, Geo, Geo, not not, no, not Geo. Excuse jo- me, the Jonathan. other one. Yeah, don't. Yeah, we'll, not we'll on April. About, we'll we'll get to Geo and his his shenanigans in a minute. <laughs> Jonathan Dos Santos, the lone remaining Dos Santos. A lot of people liked him, and and he definitely had a very good game. But you know. The guy scored two goals, and they had two goals, and and it's got to be Zlatan. He drew both penalties yes, and then did. converted both. That's unusual. I mean, a lot of times you'll see a guy score a couple penalties, and that, even that's unusual, but it's happened. Guy scored two penalties, but he drew both those penalties. His own kind of hustle and physical play drew those penalties, and then he converted the shots. Uh, I don't know. Did he play the best game? No. Again, looking at your statistics, no, he did not play the best game. But he scored both goals. And again, yeah. the object of the game is to score goals and win. And so I'd, I'd say Zlatan. Yeah, I, I don't. Do, it's it's one of those that's like, don't overthink it, stupid. You know, it's like, okay, so it's Zlatan. But me, of course, I'm going to overthink it. I, as you you mentioned him, Jonathan Dos Santos for me or, or Joe Corona. I've I've been super impressed with Joe Corona. I've been super impressed with Jonathan Dos Santos. Um, that pairing right there was sort of a little genius move, I think, by Dennis DeClosa and, and, and Guillermo Barish-Coloto. Um, that, that checked all the boxes. That was, that was a great acquisition. Uh, for the LA Galaxy bringing in those guys. But it doesn't matter, well, like you said. Let me talk about Jonathan for a second. Yeah, because we did see him with the Mexican national team in that game in Santa Clara where he scored his uh, his first international goal in 40 appearances. Um, he he looked, he was, he was amazing in that game. I thought he dominated that game, and he was the man of the match there, clearly. Um, uh, I think Jonathan is going to have a really good season. He's playing really well. He seems really motivated. And, um, you know, knock me over with a feather. I never thought that would happen. I thought when Gio left, especially some of the comments and people have said that the translation was incorrect. Um, some of the things Jonathan seemed to indicate that there would be payback to the galaxy for letting Gio go. Um, you know what? I, I think it's been it's early. We've got a long, long season to go. But it almost looks like Jonathan's stepping out of Gio's shadow and is sort of enjoying being his own guy yep. and not being the little brother anymore. And that's not to say he he doesn't like his brother or he's happy the Galaxy let him go. That's just, again, we're going back to being factually based. That's just what I see, that he has stepped it up a level. And the only thing that I can see that's changed is, well, A, they're giving him a little bit more responsibility. And, and frankly, I think he should have the armband. But I do think there is something to the fact that he's not the little brother anymore. He's the lone remaining Dos Santos, and he's playing his lights out. Yeah, it's it seems that way. Uh, a little quick, uh, so, some some charts. It's 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 audio, so I'm not going to go crazy on it. Uh, but the LA Galaxy start nine points after four games. There were only three seasons, Kevin, ever in the history of the LA Galaxy that have been better. 1996 was a perfect start, 12 points from four games. So was 2010, 12 points from four games. Uh, 1998 had 10 points from four games, and then tied. Uh, with this particular start, the nine points is 2005. So only three seasons ever in LA Galaxy history have been better through the first four games, which is not something you can necessarily say last year. Um, so at least that's that's one thing. I'll go to uh, the designated player minutes as well. You know, it's something we keep track of. How many minutes of the designated players play in relation to how many uh, total available minutes are there? So, so far through four games, you do four times nine. And even my Arizona State education can tell you that's 360 total minutes. So that's what we base these numbers off of. Zlatan Ibrahimovic so far has played uh, 180 minutes, which gives him a 50% uh, playing time. Jonathan Dos Santos, 360 minutes. So he's at 100%. Roman Alessandrini has only played 94 minutes. He's at 26.1%. So your totals for designated players so far... 
above the 50% mark, Kevin, 58.7% right now as we look at the LA Galaxy. Now, statistically, they have not, I, I don't mean to be the flying the ointment here, but they have not played the toughest of schedules you know, out of the box. The Two of the four teams they played are playoff teams. One of them they lost. Um, you know, Chicago, Dallas playoff team, Minnesota United, Portland, not probably the strongest schedule. I was going to say, um, yeah, it, it's 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 one of them, and that's actually my next chart. So I can actually give you some information on this. If you go by average points per game right now, the LA Galaxy schedule, the four games that they have played, if you average the average points per game, the average points per game of their opponent, opponent right now through four games is 1.19. All right, so not exactly... Stellar. If you go against the teams that they have beaten, Kevin, right now, the average is 0.92. All right, because it's jacked up. All these averages is really jacked up by Dallas and the two points per game that they're averaging right now. And that's the only game the LA Galaxy have lost so far. So still early to sort of look at it, but you're absolutely right. It's been a soft schedule so far, but the Galaxy are winning games. And that's the important part of that entire thing, right? Well, they get, man, it's going to get tough in, in summer. I'm just looking at the schedule here, and, and they do have home field advantage for a lot of this. They'll be home, so that's good. But in the middle of August, they have FC Dallas. Three days later, they have Seattle, which is playing really well. Next week after that, LAFC at LAFC. Then they go to Seattle on turf. That's going to be a tough little schedule. That's uh, the August 14th to September 1st. That might be the, the part of the schedule that determines whether or not they're going to fight for a first-round playoff buy. Well, I guess you don't have the first-round playoff buys like you did in the past but whether they get an easier trip to the playoffs yeah. um yeah this year it, it's gonna be interesting I, I keep track of points per month and in uh, in march right now 2.25 points in per game in the average through four games so april has four games may has five games june has three games uh july has six games july is the busiest mo- busiest month there there's also u.s open cup in there as well so uh keep your eye on that then five games in august Four games in September and three games three games in October. Well, not well. only U.S. Open Cup, but they'll be coming off the Gold Cup, and you're probably going to lose Sebastian Legette and and Jonathan Dos Santos for sure. Um, you know, there's other people in the national team pool like Joe Corona that that could potentially, you know, get called into camp. But you're going to lose at least two players for the U.S. or for the Gold Cup, and they'll miss a few games in there too. Uh, LA Galaxy currently in fifth place in the Western Conference, Kevin, just four points behind the Western Conference and league leaders LAFC, 13 points through five games for LAFC. Uh, Seattle Sounders, 10 points through four games. Houston, 10 points through four games. FC Dallas, 10 points through five games. The LA Galaxy, nine points through four games. The LA Galaxy's 2.25 points per game would put them fourth in the conference by points per game and sixth in the supporter shield overall by points per game. But really, that's sort of shifted right now because TFC is uh, Toronto is up there at three points per game because they've played three games and won three games. Um, so they are behind everybody else's that sort of stands. But uh, the LA Galaxy, not too far out of it whenever you look at it, Kevin. Eighth overall in the supporter shield just straight up. And again, just four points out of the number one spot in that supporter shield. And what's their record in games that Zlatan plays? Well, I, you have that. I don't have that one. Two and zero, oh. and there are also two and zero oh in games that he scores, and he also scores the winning goal in every game that he plays. Yeah, that's that seems about right right now. He is the LA Galaxy leader right now in goals. You know, I am just amazed at, at the things that he does. Uh, uh, and I have to say, when when he came, I wasn't sure that was a good decision. In fact, he, uh, I had that conversation, which will follow me to my grave, where I told Chris Klein that I thought perhaps with the knee injury that Zlatan would be a guy that come off the bench and he laughed at me and said you don't signs a lot of time to come off the bench he's absolutely right uh, the stuff that he's done it, it just 
it looks it, it's like the big kid in little league. Remember in little league, there was always a kid that was you know a head uh, a head taller than everybody and and growing a beard at twelve. That guy hit all the home runs and pitched all the no hitters. That's what it looks like with Salatan. It looks like it's way too easy for him. <laughs> it does. It looks like he's cheating in little league. That's exactly that's what it is. Um, two point two five points per game right now for the LA Galaxy is their average. By the way, Kevin, if the LA Galaxy season ended right now. That 2.25 points per game would be the highest points per game total they would have ever finished with, uh, which means absolutely nothing because it's four games into the season. But uh, 1998 had 2.13 uh, points per game. 2017 had 0.94. And in 2018, it was 1.41. The LA Galaxy's historical average puts them at about 1.56 when you look at that. All right, last chart, last thing I have. People have already driven off the side of the road with all of these numbers. Um, the home points, right? Kevin, the LA Galaxy are perfect at home, 3-0-0 so far in the 2019 season. If you take those nine points that the LA Galaxy have in 2019 and you compare them against the total points they had at home in 2017, which is 14 points, the LA Galaxy have already won 64% of that total of 2017 and 32% of the total in 2018 when they finished with 28 points. And to put that all in perspective, the LA Galaxy have played 18% of their home game so far. So the 32% of that number actually shows that they're much further ahead um, than the uh, than the 2018 season last year when they actually had a pretty decent, almost average, we might say, uh, home record uh, under Siggy Schmidt there for a while. Well, and you know what? They have never lost at the dig. That's so far that you changed the name in the LA Galaxy. Have... Yeah, don't you like the dig? I mean, dignity, health, it just takes too long. People say the digs, the digs the, too. The digs. Like you could sort of, you could sort of, the, the diggity. Is one. They have not lost since the Beckham statue was put up. That that was I saw that one out there as well. Yep, that was a good one. Um, it's the good luck charm apparently. The good luck charm that keeps going. Uh, injuries, real quick. Uh, Perry Kitchen. I did see Perry Kitchen walking around, uh, without a boot, without a limp, without crutches. Um, he was walking around outside the locker room. I know that there are some some uh, one of our listeners or, or one of our readers actually wrote in Kevin um, on Twitter. Greg Greg said that he talked to Perry Kitchen last night at the season ticket event, and Perry says that he's still about three to four weeks away. So I'm imagine we're getting an update on Perry Kitchen sometime this week because he's the only person now who is currently injured, and so that focus will be sort of on him now. And, you, and you'll take a look at that. And when I tweeted out the other day, by the way, and you jumped on me, and so did a lot of fans that um, the Galaxy were back to 100. percent I'm not the only one who forgot Perry Kitchen because when I said that, I had just asked Guillermo. I said, so you guys are 100%. Everyone's healthy. He said, we're not missing anyone. Everyone's healthy. He forgot Perry Kitchen too. So good luck to Perry when he comes back. He's going to have to reintroduce himself to Guillermo and kind of uh, show what he's got on the practice field to get back on there in a game. Well, that's the whole joke, right? You know that Zlatan thought that Perry Kitchen's name was Kevin for like the first month that he played with him, <laughs> right? So maybe, maybe, maybe Guillermo knows him as Kevin and not Perry. Who knows? Maybe it's con- they got him confused with me, which uh, would be really bad for Perry and me. I think that that would not that wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, let's go to the rumors now. Let's go to uh, defender Giancarlo Gonzalez. Uh, this is the one you had the update on, and I talked about it on Thursday night. I just want to you know sort of again touch on this: is that you reported um, from the LA Galaxy that things were still moving in a positive direction, right? Yeah, and I definitely got the impression that it was a matter of when, not if, that it was it was going to happen. They were just working through some things and uh, that there were some hurdles to get over, but that they were very confident they would get over those hurdles. That's the allocation order and those kind of things. The Galaxy, remember, with, with the transfer of, of Ola Kamara, with the fact that, that Geo's come off and they got the $1.5 million back in allocation funds for Zolatan, they have a ton of resources. So they can buy their way up the allocation order if they need to. It depends on how much they want to spend and how much they want this guy. 
but I definitely got the impression from the Galaxy that the hurdles that were in front of them were uh, easily negotiated. And I really felt like it was, they had talked about it and might have happened by the end of last week. So now we're into this week. So it's gone a little further than they thought it would. But even Taylor Twelman talked yesterday about it. it he made it sound as if it were a done deal. And that's kind of the impression I got too. Yeah, it, it's, again, this can still go sideways. I can see this being derailed. Having watched enough of these deals and allocation deals happen in Major League Soccer and understanding the, the chess pieces that have to be moved around and, and, and you know, accounted for, it could still be a, a, a red light on this. I mean, the Galaxy have until May 7th, so basically they have over a month still to get this deal done. Um, and quite honestly, with the way the Yellow Galaxy are playing right now, what's the hurry? You're going to go and replace your best defender anyway. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those weird sort of things. Dan Starris, by the way, I will I will stand by this. Dan Starris has been the Yellow Galaxy's best defender over the first four games, and if Giancarlo Gonzalez comes in, Dan Starris will be moved to the bench. And, well, and the other thing that may be holding this up in the allocation order is other teams are seeing how good the Galaxy are. And they, you know, teams that are ahead of them in the allocation order that may be thinking ahead to playoff appearance may, may not want to help strengthen the Galaxy. They don't have to, uh, you know, if they're in the allocation order, I, you know the rules way better than anyone else does. Just because they don't give the Galaxy their spot, that doesn't mean they have to take Gonzalez, does it? There eventually, yeah, there has to be something because the league sort of faced this before. There has to be something done. You can't just sit there and impede without taking. So eventually, you have to go to all these teams and say, okay, you know, in Major League Soccer, again, this is where Bruce Arena criticized Major League Soccer heavily once uh, about allocation deals whenever the LA Galaxy were trying to acquire Sasha Kleschen. Uh, and FC Dallas said that they weren't going to get in the way. I believe it was Dallas. Dallas said they weren't going to get in the way, Kevin. And then they found out that it was Sasha Kleschen. And they're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. We're, we're back in. And it's like, no, you already had a chance. You're out. You can't just jump back in. And that was Bruce Arena's famous, we need more men and less boys, um, whenever he was talking to MLS ownership and Commissioner Don Garber and eventually got fined for that as well. But it was all very good, fun drama uh, as it all looks. But there is there is a, a mechanism by which you can't just impede. You have to have a reason for doing something. So if this player wants to come back into the league, then that's fine. The only problem with the Galaxy is that there are 10 teams in front of them right now. So simply them just passing, there's probably going to be one team in there that is capable of landing Gonzalez and would actually put up a fight. Now, could the Galaxy then go to that team and make the deal that everybody's sort of waiting for. The, the real problem here is, I'll tell you what the real problem is. The LA Galaxy are 11th in the allocation order, Kevin. And because they're 11th, nobody wants to trade with them. Because if you're Toronto, you get money, but then you also drop to 11th, so you're way out of this whole deal. So you're not getting anything through allocation. So however much money you get has to be good enough that you're, you're good to go on that, that you take it. And the, the numbers they put on that is about $400,000. That's what we think it's about. In some sort of general allocation, targeted allocation money, four hundred dollars gets the spot that they want. So I don't know if it's Toronto. I don't know if it's Orlando as you go back further in that allocation order. But somebody there is going to want to make that deal. And if you can get the teams in front of that person to then pass, you can then pick up that spot. So it's just I a lot of I think those are parts. both two, two teams that need money. It seems to me, um, not having looked at the books, just looking at the roster and what they've done, those are two teams that I think have have some high salary players and probably need a little bit of allocation money to help them through the rest of the season. I could see them being motivated, but I could also see them saying that they don't want to help the Galaxy. So yeah. it'll be interesting. But the Galaxy seem very confident that they're going to get this done. All right, let's go to uh, Gregory Vanderwaal as well. Uh, this is the former Toronto player who uh, got in some sort of dust-up 
with the coaching staff in Toronto in the preseason. And Toronto was like, all right, adios. See you later, dude. Um, and so they basically put him out. There's there's rumors, and we'll say swirling. It's April 1st, so why not? Swirling. Not chasing down any of your stupid rumors on April 1st, that's for sure. Um, but this one has popped up before this, so we'll talk about it. Uh, this guy uh, is a right back. Would, would be replacing Rolf Felcher if he came in, according to the MLS Players Association. Uh, he made $835,000 in 2018. Um, so he is a targeted allocation money player. Probably well within the LA Galaxy's reach right now in terms of the money they have and where it goes. Um, I do not see this as anything that's credible, at least right now. He apparently, him and his girlfriend, his, his uh, Belgian girlfriend, um, have have bought a house in Los Angeles and uh, Le Equipe in, in, in France, I believe, uh, is basically saying that uh, that he's going to end up with one of the LA teams, either LAFC or LA Galaxy. I don't see him going to LAFC with Bob Bradley and sort of the way that he constructs things. If you're going to give any sort of credence to this particular rumor, then you sit there and you look at Guillermo Barra-Scalotto and Scalotto is known a little bit, Kevin, for being a projects guy in terms of, hey, this guy's had some troubles every, uh, elsewhere. I think I can fix him in my system. That's the only sort of credence I can lend to this rumor whatsoever. But right now I'm saying we're not talking about this. This isn't a thing. Well, here's what, the way I look at it. If, if they're really down the road on, on Gonzalez, they have money in their minds that have been allocated to that. So adding another $800,000 to that it probably doesn't add up. If they decide they're going to give up on Gonzalez and they want to go get this guy, then that money becomes available um, and they could go get him. But if you're going to add Gonzalez for, as you said, $400,000, $500,000 in allocation money, plus what you have to pay him, I don't see there's room for another guy. And again, another defender. As we've talked about earlier, in my mind, they need someone up front that's going to be a little bit of a threat, someone to pair with Zlatan, they don't have that person. I don't think they have that person on the roster right now. So if they're going to go get two players, I think Gonzalez, they're down the road. They've decided they want him. I think the next move is to go get a striker or at least a forward. So I don't see room for another defender. If the Gonzalez thing blows up and this guy's available and he's he's here and the money works, then yeah, sure. Then maybe they go get him. But I, I, don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a rumor that has a lot of legs right now. And of course, we don't know where the Gonzalez thing do, is, but it sounds like that was going to happen. And, you know, they already have too many defenders. I mean, Dave Romney, our defender of the year, hasn't played a minute this year. Yeah, hasn't played a minute. And that pushes Daniel. Wait, they get Gonzalez. That pushes Stairs to the bench. So Stairs pushes Romney off the bench. So now Romney's not even on the bench anymore. Um, and then you go and you're going to tell me that Felcher, who they negotiated with a contract down, so could Felcher be a backup? We talk about right back being an issue, Kevin. If Felcher goes down, Galaxy don't have a great right back backup right now, at least not an experienced one. Uh, uh, Julian Araujo uh, is that is that kid who would play there. Um, well, and here's the deal, and thank you for reading my Julian Araujo yes. story. I'm, I appreciate your comments. Um, Julian Araujo is going to play, and the reason he's going to play is because he's really good and because Dennis is definitely wedded. And, you know, we haven't seen Ephraim uh, for a while. By the way, the flavor of the month has kind of uh, faded or soured a little bit. He hasn't played much uh, recently. He was actually playing with Galaxy 2 a little bit. I, I think Dennis needs to play Araujo, and he needs to get Ephraim back in there. Even if it's just garbage minutes, he needs to play them a little bit because he's made that – that that promise that young players will get a chance, but they have to be good. Those two guys are good. See Araujo play, and I think you see him play against really quick teams that uh, you know that the Galaxy need quick defensive help. So I think you get get him in there. And so now again, if you bring in a, yet another defender, 
that pushes him further down and takes playing time away from him. You know, a 17-year-old guy who looks like he's going to be a star in the future, I think he needs to get some playing minutes. So the more defenders you bring in, the more it pushes these guys out. That's why I don't I don't like this rumor unless the Gonzalez thing falls apart. Yeah, if the gun and it goes down to international slots as well, we could talk about that. I'll, I'll tell you this: I push back a little bit in, in terms of your striker. I think the Galaxy need a striker. I just think they need a striker who's coming off the bench for Zlatan, so that way he doesn't have to play ninety minutes all the time. Um, I think that Guillermo is going to be very happy with having Zlatan be his lone guy up there, and he's going to hope that Alessandrini can be dangerous and Antuna can be dangerous as they figure out this offense and Legette can be dangerous and Joe Corona. I mean, if you can start getting those guys to score goals, you have your your offense there that doesn't necessarily center around Zlatan. Um, I think they're going to get there, actually. I really do. I think the passing there was 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 not as good against Minnesota, but it, it was a completely different game whenever you looked at what Portland was going to try to do. So um, all that stuff. Uh, the Galaxy's weekly schedule, I don't think they've come out with it officially. I know that they were off on Monday, or at least it was TBD on Monday. There was probably some regen sessions that went on on Monday, uh, if anything took place. Uh, this is my best guess at it. They're going to tra- train Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and then Thursday, uh, Thursday morning, and then they'll probably get on a flight and head up to Vancouver on Thursday afternoon or Thursday midday to play the game on Friday night. And, and they're making that trip without Efrain Alvarez. Just got a note here from Tom Marshall, ESPN, that he is with the uh, the Mexican U-17s. He is actually in Alcapoco, which if you're not going to Vancouver, which is a beautiful city, Alcapoco might be a good second choice yeah so and alvarez and alvarez and alvarez uh is is with that team or not with that team no he he is currently with the mexican u-17s okay yep that's and that was to be expected uh guillermo and dennis DeClosa talked a whole bunch about the fact that uh efrain was going to have a bunch of international uh commitments that he had to put forward for this year and that may be why some of his minutes were limited so um and also why his minutes limit may be limited going forward is something we talked extensively about on this podcast uh before the start of the season and then of course Efrain like you know plays in the first game so that was great so so Vancouver you said Vancouver yes does Zlatan play on turf this is it seems that way and by the way I would like all of the money from all the tickets that got sold in Vancouver for my question that I asked Zlatan Ibrahimovic towards the end of his media availability with us after the game on Sunday night I asked Zlatan I said hey it's a short week um you know you're coming off a short week you're coming off an injury are you going to Vancouver uh and are you going to play on turf and Zlatan says, and I quote, I have no problem with turf fields, and last season was special because of my knee injury, which people forgot because I was playing every game almost and I was feeling good. Coming into a new season, I feel fresh, I feel good, but I have this issue with my Achilles. But it was feeling good today, and let's see during the week what happens. If I feel like I do today, I'm present, so all the fans can come and enjoy. Zlatan's going to Vancouver. Zlatan's funny. He, everyone forgot about my knee injury. We wrote about that. We, that's all we talked about. Every we even uh, the All Star game. You know, we said he wasn't going to the All Star game because it was turf and he wasn't going to play uh, with his knee on turf. We said that a million times. So Zlatan sort of, t- kind of uh, likes to take the victim thing onto himself. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I mean, I do. I think he's going to go. If I were betting, yeah, I'd say he's probably going to go. He he's really you know he's really confident right now. And Guillermo has said repeatedly that uh, Zlatan last year didn't play because of his knee, and this year he doesn't see any restrictions for turf. So clearly they have talked about it, and they talked with the training staff, and everyone is on the same page. Um, So if I were betting, I would say, yeah, that he's going to go. Do I think it's wise? I'm not sure. I'm I'm a little more cautious, and and maybe that's why he's Zlatan and I'm not. I'm a little more cautious. He's had the Achilles. 
He still is coming back from the knee thing. It's turf, and there's five-day turnaround, and it's only five games into the season. If you put all those together in, uh, uh, you know, and mix them up, I think I give him this week off, and I don't even ask him to go. Um, but I'm probably going to be wrong, and uh, coming off the performance that he just had, I'm sure he's feeling very confident, and he's probably feeling rested too because he did have – he was off uh, the field for, what, 25 days yes. without even training. So he's probably feeling rested. I think the big the big difference will be – or the big uh, factor will be how he feels tomorrow. I've heard that from players in sports all the time, coming back from an injury. I feel great in the game. The adrenaline's pumping. I feel great. How do I feel the next day? Right. Uh, we don't know how Zlatan felt this morning. Yeah, and and then that's sort of you know the big thing. I'll, I'll say this: all the Vancouver fans, I said whenever I told you that uh, Zlatan was because the people would message me on Twitter and say, "Is Zlatan coming?" I'm, I would just laugh at him, being like, "You have turf, he ain't coming." Uh, I would like to apologize because I really do think he's actually going. I know there's people. You're you you write that you have that concern, Kevin. Um, it's just I think that uh, Guillermo's probably right. Uh, Zlatan is probably right. Everybody's probably right in that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and going to your point from this particular podcast at the beginning, Zlatan's too important for him to miss games. Um, and yes, you're taking a risk, but you're taking a risk anytime you play anybody on turf. It's it's everybody in that, and yes, it's it's also every time Zlatan steps onto the field, and it looks like he got killed a couple times in the game against Portland, and everybody sort of held their breath, I think, for a little bit whenever you'd see him down on the floor holding a particular leg, a particular uh, body part there, and, and writhing around on the ground. So there's always that chance that somebody could get injured. If Zlatan plays on turf, and if something should happen, that was always part of the risk. But that was the part of the risk any time he goes on the field from here on out, and that's a risk for every player. It's just more pronounced, obviously, in a 37-year-old who's coming off major, uh, you know, Achilles, uh, a major surgery on his knee and then you know has an Achilles problem it just things can start to ratchet up and and certainly playing on turf I'm here to tell you Kevin playing on turf is not nice to your body all right well remember David who was younger than Slatana did not have the injury issues um, would never play I mean he never played in, in Seattle except which is a really hard hard field he never played in Seattle unless it was a playoff game yeah Beckham right yeah you were talking just David just David. You, yeah, you just he, know him he, by he, first he name. and I are on a first name basis yeah I figured all right so, I call him statue now the statue hey statue yeah and and that goes off really well I'm sure uh the LA Galaxy will face off against the Vancouver Whitecaps on Friday, April 5th, so a Friday night game. Again, a very short turnaround for the LA Galaxy, who are uh, forced into a Sunday-Friday back-to-back, which is never fun, plus the travel, plus the turf, all those things up at BC Place. So uh, lots of stuff going on for the LA Galaxy uh, in terms of this game, and we will be back on Wednesday night, live show with myself and uh, Mr. Portuguese Hammer himself, Eric Vieira, and I will be back um, for that particular uh, game to get you ready for it. But it will be a 7 p.m. kickoff time on Friday. Games at BC Place. That game can be found on Spectrum Sportsnet. And Kevin, you and I needed to do some investigative reporting. Uh, we need to we need to find out what we're finding, and certainly something I said that I would ask about, and it got lost whenever I actually asked. And I didn't get any answers back, but we need to discuss this because what's happening right now is any game that's on Spectrum Spectrum Sportsnet, uh, at least in the past, after a certain amount of time, let's say it was 48 hours, um, that that game would be released onto the streaming service like MLS Live, and then you could watch the replay of that game anytime you'd want to do it. Okay, that has not happened this year at all. And I don't know that it was happening towards the end of last year or if it ever made the switch over to ESPN+. But the bottom line is that if you don't have Spectrum, if you don't have Spectrum but you are a subscriber to MLS Live, if you live in Los Angeles, there's no way for you to watch a full replay of a Galaxy game 
because Spectrum isn't currently sharing it with ESPN Plus, apparently. Well, there's a lot to that. I mean, first of all, you look at the way Spectrum's played hardball with the Dodgers, right? It's the same company, right? Yep. Um, it, they they may be trying to squeeze this nickel a little bit too hard, too. I, I don't know the number of people who would all of a sudden sign up for Spectrum to get the games on you know tape delay or to get the games uh, when they can't find them somewhere else. I don't know if there's enough people there to, to make that worth their while for all the bad publicity they're probably going to wind up getting on this. But I do know... That the company it used to what long to, it's gone through three uh, uh, transitions now, uh, was Charter now it's Spectrum. I do know that they are very unhappy with the contract they have with the Galaxy. Remember, it's paying them I think five point five million dollars a year, and they're they're really getting very very low ratings. Um, they're certainly taking a bath on that, and they've they've knocked out or they had knocked out a lot of the shoulder program they were doing like Backstage Galaxy and and the Spanish uh, broadcasts that they had. So. They're they're losing money on this. They're probably finding trying to find a way to to recoup some of that. But this seems to be a bad way to do it. This, I think this the is, one thing this is a petty way to do it. I mean, it's, well, yeah. It, what you want to do is you want to build the audience, and the, and the way you build the audience is to make it available. If you're making it available on tape, basically what you're saying is, do you enjoy this game? Was this exciting? Why don't you watch the next one live? Come on over to Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You you would love to say that, or or hey, look, this is the this is the thing. Here's the thing: is you're, you're in a blacked out environment, right? And and clearly Spectrum has the, you know the Los Angeles market, and if you don't have Spectrum, you can't watch it on ESPN Plus, which is the MLS Live equivalent right now. You can't watch that unless you're outside of that particular zone. It'll get blacked out. Everybody knows that. That's fine. But after 48 hours, what what good is that to you to hold on to it? Because quite honestly, the Spectrum website is atrocious so if you could even find a replay which i don't think they show replays of the galaxy games like on demand that you could go watch them even on the spectrum website so why are you keeping it from the espn it's not like you're losing viewers you didn't have the viewers begin you're gaining viewers by putting it on espn plus so it just to me there's there's a disconnect here i know the galaxy it's my it's my opinion that the Galaxy will be more than happy to get out of this contract whenever it's time, but that the Galaxy are also happy they're getting $5.5 million every year from Spectrum. So even though it is uh, currently a, a pretty crappy viewing sensation whenever you look at, you know, really what you're getting from Spectrum anymore and what it used to be and how that's completely downgraded over the time. And, and listen, it's nothing. The broadcast itself is fine. Um, Joe Tatino does a great job. Kobe Jones does a great job. I, I love oh, those guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, Megan Riza as well. She's great. So they're all great there. Um, but there, it used to be something. Um, I was in the studio at Spectrum. I got invited down there because of how big a deal that was. They said, hey, Josh, why don't you come down here? We're going to have a town hall. We're going to hold it in the Spectrum studio, and we're going to put it on TV. I thought that was great. It was something that had never been done before across the league. I mean, it was historic. And to see it all just, you know, shuttered and gone away. And granted, the ratings aren't there. It's just right. a bad, it was a bad bet, though. It's a bad bet, and now you're sitting there looking at Spectrum begrudgingly doing this stuff instead of doing stuff to possibly increase the viewership or anything else. They're just trying to ride out the rest of the contract. Yeah, and it's like, it's not the fans' fault. You know, it's yeah. not the viewers' fault that you guys made a bad deal and gave them way too much money. You know, they could have looked at the ratings that Fox was getting when they were doing Galaxy Games and realized that it wasn't worth that much money, but they really wanted to, they needed some, uh, some programming to go around the Dodgers and Lakers and, and uh, you know, they spent too much for it. But, you know, as far as you talk about the announcers, I think Joe is really good. And if I have Sirius XM, I have satellite radio, and you can listen to a lot of the MLS 
MLS broadcasts, the home broadcast from around the league. And when you listen to some of the other uh, teams' broadcasters on radio, and then you listen to Joe, you realize how good he really is. I was having a conversation, and this time I won't use names, but I was having a conversation with a national broadcaster, and we were talking about local broadcasts. Yet yeah, no, it wasn't Taylor Twelman this time. Um, we were we were we were going through and, and Rob talking. Stone. No, no, it wasn't it wasn't Rob <laughs> either. Um, so it, we were going through and talking about it and we and we were all in agreement after talking. And there were four or five you know people who were very knowledgeable about soccer and very knowledgeable about broadcasting from both the front of house, the back of house, however you wanted to. We were in total agreement that one of the things that's holding back Major League Soccer in MLS is the local broadcasts and how horrible some of them are. Because they are atrocious in some cases. Um, so, and you can go find it. Hey, if you watch MLS Live on a regular basis, you'll figure out who they are real quick. Um, but there's some people who apparently just don't care about the product that's on the field. And they have guys who just don't know. The other problem, it really, for me, the bigger problem, even than the announcing for most local broadcasts, Kevin, is that the people who are doing the producing of the show and looking for angles and trying to do it don't understand soccer at all. Don't show replays. Don't show the proper angles for where you're supposed to get to whenever you want to show a goal was scored. Well, everybody wants to know if it was onside because it was just scored. We want to see make sure we want to see if it's offside you you don't get that and it's just it's frustrating to watch and you can see it even on some of the national broadcasts i sit there and scream at the television even in the press box being like show the replay show the replay show yeah, the replay yeah you do, do that in the press box it's annoying alexi lawless is that your source? nope nope wasn't okay Alexi. well you know what one thing i like about joe and now i'm going to get in trouble with galaxy supporters again but what i really like about one of the things i like about him he's very knowledgeable he has a nice presentation he he tells you what you need to know he answers the questions before you ask them but he doesn't say I and we when he's talking about the team. Like, we need a goal here. And and when he does that, then I think I'm getting the true uh, analysis of the game. You know, if there's a, a an offside call that's a little iffy, if he's a we guy, I don't know whether to trust him. I don't know whether he's seeing that with his heart or whether he's seeing that with his eyes. Right. Uh, and I know he's a Galaxy fan. He The Galaxy pays a salary. He travels with the Galaxy. He's friends with all the players. I get it. And when he and I have had conversations, he's definitely – a galaxy guy and that's fine but when i'm listening to the broadcast i like the fact that he tries to call it straight down the middle because then i can trust what he's telling me yeah not only that but i've always found my conversations with joe to be very upfront uh whenever we talk hey, if the galaxy aren't playing well he's like oh well they're they're playing bad you know he'll, he'll tell you he'll tell you what he sees he's been around the game for long enough he knows what it is all right we've gone on way too long we're done this is it i'm shutting it all down uh, well, we never didn't talk about Gio. Well, we, well we, that, we, I swear we talked to, about it, but we didn't just talk about it. I swear to God, that's an April Fool's joke. That cannot be serious. There's, well, let's tell everybody okay. what happened. So, so we were tipped off, or tipped off in quotation marks, however it was, that possibly Giovanni dos Santos was training with LAFC, which is neither here nor there or anywhere. But that's what we were told. And so and everybody knows that I have really good sources, you know, at LAFC. In fact, I sitting here in my office at LAFC's training facility, I just looked out the window <laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't there. Actually, what I did is I called two of the people uh, that work for the team and said, what's what's this? And they both laughed and said nothing to it. And one said, I think he's still in Mexico City, which I think he still is. Right. Um, Gio, Giovanni Dos Santos, as of. Monday night at 7.02 p.m. Pacific time is not training with LAFC. Yeah, and it's interesting because if he ends up going to anywhere in Major League Soccer, there's a process by which it has to happen, and there's a bidding process and a whole bunch of stuff, and he could go to a, anybody who really bids in Major League Soccer if that was ever to happen. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that they, I think that MLS is probably looking outside the league more than inside the league right now. Um, and and let's, just say, let's just say that it was true. Which of the six 
forwards, midfielders would you set to put Gio on the field? I, it, I think it, that six they have are better than him. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. That's why. But anyway, yeah, we were getting all sorts of stuff. So you can at least, if you're if you're looking there, and by the way, there were April Fool's jokes on Reddit today that the LA Galaxy had re-signed Giovanni Dos Santos at a significantly low rate. I thought that was humorous. Um, that was good. I, I genuinely hate uh, April Fool's Day. Uh, April 1st is a horrible day. Uh, there, You might see one out there that is, that is concerning Corner of the Galaxy, uh, as was reported by another outlet that said that Corner of the Galaxy would now go behind the paywall um, and charge $40 a month for access. Well, and, that one was true. Yeah, it was absolutely true, 100%. So we'll expect your checks in the mail. Just send us that 40 bucks, and then we'll give you the link to the podcast, all right? That's how it works. All right, April 1st is over. We're done. You can listen to this through the rest of the week, and we have given you no April Fool's news. There's nothing in here that we have said that is not April that is April Fool's, and we lied to you. We're not about that. That's not what it is. Our show came up on a Monday. We're recording on a Monday. That's how it goes. Uh, by the way, scheduling update. Again, told you a Wednesday show coming up for the live show. Kevin, our Monday show next week may not happen, or you may not be part of it because I will be traveling. Uh, I have to go to Denver and New Mexico um, for like about six days. So I will be out of town Friday through Wednesday, but I'll be back Thursday for a live show. Um, so I travel one. to Russia. I take my microphone. You're yes. going to New Mexico. You can't even use your cell phone. I, I mean, I can, again, it's, it's all about who records this stuff whenever I go. I can record me. I just can't record you at the same time. It's not, it's not, uh, I can't take the whole recording studio with me. That's the problem. For you, it was one microphone. I would have to take a lot more stuff. I don't know. The corporate jet's available. You can just come on back, record the show, and then get back on the road. That corporate jet's pretty comfortable. No, no, it's not going to work. All right. Uh, anything else? You good? Can we get? Can we finally be done? Well, I don't know. I'm still in the bunker. I'm going to wait for Twitter to find out if I can come out before next game. Uh, after this show, I highly doubt it. You're probably going to be in there for a little while. I hope you have some canned goods. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you can find him at kbaxter11. And be nice. Be reasonable be sensible you disagree with the guy tell him you disagree with him just do it without threatening his personal life all right uh if you're looking for him on twitter it's at kbaxter11 if you're looking for his articles latimes.com covers u.s men's national team women's national team lafc and the la galaxy and basically soccer in southern california as well mexican national team is in there as well follow kevin baxter uh support what he does he's one of the hardest writers here uh, in Southern California working, uh, and he has my support here on the podcast. Doesn't mean we'll always agree, but he has my support. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. And please head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find all of our podcasts, our news articles, and everything else you ever wanted to know, also including our merchandise. Go ahead and check it out. All right, for Mr. Kevin Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.